0: Hello and welcome to this the tenth episode
1: of the Forum Podcast. We made it, Mike. Ten. I can't. I, I. I really cannot believe it.
0: I can't believe it. I can't believe we're still here. This is the podcast where we talk about all things foreign, yeah. about foreigners and countries and stuff like that. And we we are twenty weeks old.
1: Yeah, and eleven episodes in. I mean, this is this is like official episode ten, but there is an extra. So no, there is know,
0: an extra, that is there's true. There's an extra,
1: and there's, there's another extra on the way, in fact, you know.
0: And, and uh, uh-huh. tell us about that, Mike.
1: I interviewed a, a colleague of mine. Um, I'll see if I can get her name. I was actually quite pleased with myself as a little teaser. I was uh, pretty much the only person, just what she said, who actually asked her how to pronounce her name. She's, uh, oh, yeah. from, she's from Bosnia. Okay. Um, and her name is Nerma. But see, I can't say it because you have to roll the R. Can you do that? Yeah. Can you roll R's? Uh, Nerma. Uh, Ner- <laughs> yes, yeah. Ner- and uh, she she's got a great story. She came when she was eight years old uh, from from Bosnia during the war. So we hear okay. about that, and we also hear about how she views her um, you know her own sort of identity and. Does she see herself as Bosnian Danish, and also, which I find really interesting as well, is how perhaps um, her children feel okay. differently about their identity than she does.
0: Okay. okay. And I
1: think that's and I think that's uh, really quite interesting as well. So uh, that'll be coming out um, Monday, I believe, uh, the twelfth of February. So. Spur it,
0: landed and, and, and in
1: Denmark, that's a kind of that's like half term. Okay. So uh, you know, our listener has got nothing to do in their half term. Well, then, so then they've got no. Ex- then our <laughs> listener has no excuse. <laughs> no excuse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, and we've got a bunch of emails to get through this week, and oh, we're actually filming this episode. Yeah. Hello. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Mike went uh, went mental on the socials last week. So uh, you may have seen that uh, if you sign up for our Instagram, you'll see videos of us. Um, and, and our YouTube channel. The and Shops. our YouTube channel. What's our Instagram again, Mike?
1: Our Instagram is at foreign Podcast. believe it or not. That's um
0: Splendid. And what's our YouTube? I can't remember.
1: <laughs> foreign is it, Podcast. Is it foreign Podcast. I yeah, believe probably. it is I foreign know, Podcast. Guessing, yeah. yeah. I reckon if you type it in you'll uh It will come there. up. Yeah
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we've got a bunch of emails to get through this week. Our, our, like requests for, for people to send us emails have actually backfired because they've all sent us emails. Yeah. And um, what's the uh, the first one we're going to tackle, Mike?
1: Okay, well, this one is, um, this is uh, from my brother. And the reason I want to read this out is because, um, um, yeah, well, I'll make that clear. It says, hi, hi, Mike and Pat, in order that I've known them all their lives. <laughs> um, it's nice to be the first foreigner. Um, I've named your faithful listeners, he says here to email in that isn't part of Pat's family. But he's actually incorrect because he isn't. The, uh, <laughs> That's what we're about uh, to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's <laughs> about to hear that there's, there's someone who got in before him about half an hour, quite uh, amazingly. But anyway, he says, Ari, the last episode, I, I, I think you're kind of, uh, yeah, the, the whole kind of talk about political ideology, Pat, uh, last mm. time has uh, got, got, got people... Got our listener thinking. So Got some some
0: traction.
1: Got some traction, yes. So Ari, the last episode. If Le Pen did get into power, how would you reconcile yourself living in what would become, essentially, a fascist state? Wouldn't you want to leave it? Mm. Also, you would be seen as unfrench in her and her followers' eyes. Therefore, Mm. your passport, he claims, would be Mm. worthless. I -hmm. would say, at best, it would delay your deportation. Hmm. I don't know the, the, the last bit of that seems to be a well, lot of conjecture but the first gonna, bit I think how would you reconcile I think that's I'm gonna, important I'm
0: going gonna, I'm gonna to respond to that uh, thanks for your email Sam thank you very much don't encourage him <laughs> I don't think my passport would be worthless I think is the bottom line I think if, if Le Pen get, uh, did get in um, I think my passport our passports would actually uh, protect us from from what what would o- almost certainly happen. Um, I think probably what would happen would be something along the lines of what happened in America under Trump, in that there would be a, a hardening towards foreigners in general. Life would be, become more difficult, but and you know I'm sure uh, some people would be forced to leave. Like, but more likely people who had extreme uh political views um effectively Islamists uh, I don't think we would be forced to leave if we were well probably as as i you know it's sort all of i came to think about when i as i talked to mike about this like last time uh, we would probably not be able to be forced to leave on british passports but um I, I think our passports would would actually be worth something in that case would i want to leave to be honest no and like I think I learned a lot by leaving the UK. And uh, what I learned was that if politics goes sour, I think if you really believe that you should stay and fight, then you should stay and fight. And I, I, I genuinely don't think that, I don't regret leaving Britain at all as as is blatantly obvious from really? everything, yeah, we, we, like. <laughs> everything we've talked <laughs> about on, uh, on this podcast, but I also learned that I also caused myself a huge amount of shit by leaving Britain, quite frankly. And um, I, I think that Marine Le Pen is worth fighting against, to be honest. So no, I wouldn't actually want to leave. But you would be right. Yeah, France would effectively become a fascist state. I hope that answers your question. It's a bit roundabout and, like, and maybe it's a not, not entirely logical because you are right, you know, and I, you know, I, I think logically I would want to leave. I don't want to live under fascism, but also I don't want to allow fascism to ruin other people's lives either. So I would stay and I would fight. There you go.
1: Yeah, and we have uh, another email. Let's go. Um, and this is from uh, my student. <laughs> Oliver, um, who's started um, to listen to the podcast, and um, he uh, he writes here. He doesn't say hello. <laughs> I'll so, say hello oh, to
0: you. Thank you for your email, Oliver. I really appreciate
1: it. Yeah, hi, Oliver. Anyway, it says here, after listening to your last podcast regarding passport problems, a question came to mind. As a young Dane, I've grown up believing capitalism is crucial for our modern world. However, Pat's anarchist stance met with approval from my social science teacher, um, which isn't me. I'm his English teacher, so I don't know if he means me, but <laughs> but um, his social science teacher, she's my colleague called Steena. But anyway, Pat's anarchist stance met with approval from my social science teacher intrigues me. I'd like to hear the compelling arguments behind your position. Okay. This might not fit in completely with the theme of your podcast, so I completely understand if you don't want to talk about it. And mm-hmm. then he writes, I don't know if you noticed, it says MVH, Oliver, okay. and that stands for Melvenly Hilson, which translates to with friendly greetings, Okay, Oliver. Uh,
0: I think he wrote another email after that as well, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he said, I'd like to swiftly adjust my question a little. Pat's anarchist, anarchist as well as anti-capitalist stance. Okay.
0: Okay, I'm going to, first of all, Oliver, thank you very much for your emails. Uh, I'm going to put the two of them together, and uh, I think what, what you're basically asking me is why I'm an anarchist via the lens of capitalism, effectively. Um, it's a big question, and I can I only answer it succinctly here. We don't have a huge amount of time, but um, just to break it down for you, if you're interested, uh, anarchi- anarchism is, uh, at its most fundamental level, the refusal of coercive hierarchy, so capitalism is probably one of the best examples of coercive hierarchy that exists in the modern world. And probably the other best example is specifically the state, the nation state. Uh, and these two concepts uh, basically articulate and work extremely efficiently as a system to control and manipulate populations. So by coercive hierarchy, and there are multiple interpretations of what this means, you know, in, in anarchist circles. But again, basically what it means is it's a system uh, that forces you to behave in a certain way. You have no choice. You are coerced. Um, so capitalism is an ideology held in place by a network of apparatus such as works, banks, mortgages, shops and so forth. Um, you can't do much in life without paying. Um In reality, I mean, this concept is now so entrenched, for example, that schemes such as free public transport, um, which we now have in Montpellier, um, are seen on a European level as radical and experimental. You know, we are talking about like getting a bus. So I really try to think about that. I think it's important. Um, What this basically means is that, you know, it's seen as radical that you should be able to move around without paying. But even if you have already paid in in terms of tax, So, so just to illustrate, you know, that you basically can't do anything without money. And if you want to test the validity of that statement, obviously try living without it. And I think you'll probably see very quickly that it really isn't possible to live any kind of like comfortable life in Western civilization unless you do as you're told that you generate and spend money.
1: You can start by perhaps reading Down and Out in Paris and London. You could start by there, but that,
0: that is a cracking is, book. That is so, an so, 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 so
1: you don't have to do it yourself. You
0: could do that, and I, and I would absolutely recommend it. That is a, Just so a you very, know, that a is a book, that's George Orwell,
1: the guy who wrote 1984 and um, a, Animal Farm, and he basically lived as um, a, a homeless person on the streets in Paris and London and wrote about it.
0: The Paris bit is fantastic. The bit in Britain is amazing as well, but oh my God, it's absolutely amazing. So yes, Oliver, read that book. So people that endorse capitalism as an extension or who tell you, as they have done, that capitalism is essential to the functioning of contemporary society are, in my opinion, literally endorsing a form of slavery. You have to work, basically, and if you accept this argument... I think it's logical to consider that the entire concept that we can't live without money is fundamentally and morally repugnant. Yes, it's very easy for us living in our privileged, rich societies to think in a way that capitalism works. But I would say to anyone that endorses capitalism in the West that they are sitting on the top of a very tall and very bloody heap. A world driven by capitalism, in my opinion, Oliver, is fundamentally unjust, and anarchism, or libertarian communism, to give it its more modern name, is centered directly on the concept of social justice. I'm just going to give you a couple of references because... uh, Libertarian
1: communism, that's nuts. <laughs> so that
0: that's just a, a different conversation. Yeah. That's like I'm all the go, way gonna to gonna... the left and all the way to
1: the right, and then meeting. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. You, you, you're getting <laughs> confused. <there>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, right, sorry, Oliver. Is... I'm going to give you a couple of references because um, you know anyone that's interested. I, you know, I do like you know, like to pass on, pass the word on. Uh, there's a book called "What Is an Op- Apparatus?" It's called in English. It's a it's an essay written by a guy called uh, Giorgio Agamben. Um, he was a, an Italian philosopher. Still is an Italian philosopher. He's really old now. He's about 80, 80 something, I think. But it's an essay about defining social apparatus and how they used to modify behaviour and to and to control people. And uh, he does. T- he talks about capital, capitalism in there. It's a really, really interesting, very lucid piece of writing. It's, it's definitely worth reading. Also, there's a guy called Daniel Guerin. He was a French anarchist, a gay French anarchist. He's dead now. Uh, I can't remember, I think he was like early 20th century, uh, who compiled an amazing book called No Gods, No Masters, an Anthology of Anarchism. Um, and that charts the birth of anarchism, uh, which appears, of course, and hilariously in response to the exploitation engendered by industrialization in the 19th century. It's a, anarchism it was a response to money. It's, it's important to remember that. It's an absolutely amazing book. I really recommend it. And finally... There's another guy called Murray Bookchin, um, who was an American anarchist, he's dead now unfortunately, who uh, invented a concept called social ecology. And uh, his thinking was actually the basis of what is called today eco-anarchism or green anarchism. And it's absolutely fascinating. He he wrote in English, obviously, um, and really, really fundamental. If you want to try to think about how we can live in a different fashion than the ecologically disastrous forms of capitalistic nationalism that we see around us today. So to answer your question, Oliver, why am I an anarchist and why am I an anti-capitalist? It's because I'm fundamentally opposed to coercive authority. And I believe we should only do things if we really want to. It's uh, I don't believe that you or anybody else should have the right to tell me what to do. It's that simple. So many thanks for your email and I hope that goes some way to starting to answer your question. I really hope you continue to read on it.
1: And let's never, ever mention anarchism again. Let's go! <laughs> go anarchism! Yay! Yeah. Well, I, was actually, I was actually thinking in the wake of our last <laughs> podcast... And about the kind of, um, about what this podcast is, Pat, I was having a kind of an existential, uh, what is this podcast? <laughs> yeah. And, and and at the top of the show, I love saying that. At the top of the show, you said it's about national identity, which it yeah, is, but. In a way. But I also think it is, um, and I'm going to actually um, uh, quote you from the, uh, the Queen is Dead episode. It really mm-hmm. is kind of anti vertical hierarchy.
0: That is it. That's that pretty is pretty much, it.
1: much and yet. And obviously, maybe being foreign and the things we talk about puts us in a kind of position where perhaps that vertical hierarchy is a lot clearer to us um, because of certain things. Again, I'm not going to compare myself to uh, even Nerma, who I just interviewed and and anyone Mm. from who's like Muslim or from an Arab country. But still, those vertical power structures become a lot clearer. And I think a lot of our topics have in a way all been about that.
0: I think, Rather you're, than I think
1: actually perhaps a, being foreign or national identity I think that's it, a
0: completely legitimate thing to say Mike you know and into, you know i am about to move on to a thesis I'm doing my master's at the moment and um, my thesis will be research into you know in a way national identity you know it, it was one of the reasons that we started this podcast is because you know i you know we, we there's something that we share in common is that we're not from the countries in which we live. Um, and even though, you know, there, obviously there are, there are, you know, very particular aspects to um, certain foreigners' situations, such as, for example, Muslim people or the Jews in the Holocaust or people who fled from Bosnia, you know, there is a universal aspect to being foreign. And I, th- I think it's, um, and you, I think you're absolutely right to, uh, and, justify to, to say what you have just said. I agree with you. Email number three. This is oh, from wow. some la- so so this is from no is this is this email number three or number this is three.
1: Yeah this is email number three. This
0: this is from some lady called Sue? Yeah, Apparently Sue. you know her.
1: Yeah yeah. Yeah I do. And um she's uh uh well she's Sam's mother <laughs> <laughs> Hi mine see you- and mine hi yeah, <laughs> her, her uh- says here um um the, the subject is the uh, headline um of a uh, of an article um uh, which she has uh, sent to us where and it says here france brings in stricter French language requirements for foreigners mm. and um Basically, the only email is, is couldn't remember your podcast. She sent it to me and I thought it but well, it doesn't matter. But yeah, there is an article here saying France uh, brings in stricter foreign language requirements for foreigners. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how recent that was because I do remember you mentioning something along those lines on a previous episode. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I can, I can talk, I'll talk about it quickly. The, uh, thanks, Sue, for your email. Hi, Sue. Hi, Sue. Thanks, mum. Yeah. Um, so the article that you've linked to, He's talking about it's called the the loi immigration the immigration law which is being talked about a lot in the French press at the moment. There was a a version of it was managed to sort of get through Parliament in France. It's basically it's all about sort of like hardening the law against against immigrants mainly from North Africa, effectively. But obviously, it affects everybody that doesn't have a French passport. Um, it got booted out as like uh, as being unconstitutional and 32 articles in it were actually rejected by the by the constitutional court in france uh, on the 25th of january and uh actually today uh, the centrist uh, element in the french parliament has put through another tax so that's got to go back so it's still being sort of like not backwards and forwards but the the article the articles that were put back in do actually include um there's going to be a new uh, a new requirement that i think people that are coming uh into france for reasons of family grouping are going to be required to have a uh i can't remember what word was actually used it's it's like a fundamental level of french but which basically wasn't there before and there's uh, there's other stuff in there about um uh, it's basically going to be the, the, peri- the time period for people that don't work to get uh, certain benefits, including family benefits, is going to be extended to five years. So if uh, women come over with, with children and can't work, they won't be able to get any money for five years. So uh, yay. yay France, woo! Ooh. so yeah. uh, so that, that was sort of deemed to be un- unconstitutional we'll for, them, for some reason yeah. you know like that, that starving children thing but that's uh, but that's been stuck back in and is going through uh, so they're trying to get it through at the moment to, to stop people claiming family benefit if they don't work mm. um, so many thanks for your email sue and that's I actually hope quite you
1: old news.
0: but it is ongoing no, sorry, it's I didn't a, mean
1: old news in terms of French. I just meant this whole what the what the Danes calls familiar something, which oh, okay. is familiar uh, bringing the family. So mm. if someone's got um, asylum here in Denmark, then they can get they have their whole family come with them. That's okay. just uh, um, uh, something that the Danes kind of dealt with <laughs> um, years ago. <laughs> yeah, basically years ago. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> there was a lot of that going on, and uh, so there was a lot of people bringing their wives and children up. Those Uh, uh, fucking crazy
0: bastards. And
1: um, there was a, and they were, you know, I'm not going to talk to, I'm not going to sort of, um, you know, I'm just going to say how it is. And a lot of them, they just didn't integrate. So they just came here and kind of uh, got social benefit. And that's Mm. it. Mm. So all of a sudden you had one person who got asylum and then, which which you maybe had budgeted as a national economy for Mm. having. Mm. And all of a sudden you might have four or five more. That were coming, and then all of a sudden, that that kind of that cost like five tripled or quintupled or whatever.
0: They're, they're just a, just a drag on the economy, Mike. That's
1: it, yeah. And and that was the argument for for stopping this. Uh, and for starving uh, the children. And also, there was this. There was they kind of mixed it up with also sort of with rights of the female as well. That mm. maybe the marriage in their country was kind of forced. And so bringing them, so you had to be over a certain age before you could actually do this familiar samfong, bring mm. them together. But yeah, it's mm. it's politics from from no, from, it's uh, a, the the from, age from thing is ago. part
0: of the is part of the new bill as the age thing. Yeah. I think that you're not allowed to come if you're under 21. You're not allowed. That's to. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, so that's... yeah, it's probably just a similar similar thing from the sound of it to what already exists in Denmark. Yeah,
1: which is a great segue to the next section about Let's because go. because France just wants to be Denmark. <laughs> that's, that's- tell, tell me about that, Mike. <laughs> well, I mean, we, 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 we agreed last week um, um, that we would talk about work, working. Yep. Uh, and uh, I just think that the Danish, uh, you know, and I think maybe we, um, uh, we were going to talk about what it's actually like to go to work as okay. sort of individuals. But I think yep. the Danish sort of working sort of political model of um, is actually quite interesting, mm. and I was talking to a colleague about it, and he actually he teaches about it, and he actually had a, a news article about how France wants to copy this mm. danish work model and um, it 's just quite interesting I think because the danish so, so what, what is the model it 's called flex security okay. and it 's actually quite for us for you know what is essentially a socialist country it 's actually quite sort of liberal mm. because it gives um, uh, private companies or company yeah the, the employers sorry I- employers um, lots and lots of flexibility to hire and fire okay. and what that means is how how that works is then that if if I get fired I could essentially get fired with 30 days notice and that's it right but instead of perhaps what you would imagine in britain or in america i kind of just get cast down onto the streets Mm. we have the unions and we have something called day money dalping. so i get kind of 80 percent of my wages funded so i pay to the union every month so that means if i lose my job i don't have to sort of you know my life doesn't sort of just collapse around me and also the state um, uh, there's also a third because everything in social sciences as you know is a triangle so you've got at the top you've got the employer and then you've got the uh, you've got the social security and then you, you've also got education that you can sort of re-educate yourself quite easily so maybe if there isn't uh, if there's are structurally aren't actually any jobs in your area of expertise, you mm-hmm. can maybe then take a few courses and move slightly educational-wise so you can be re-employed again. And this okay. whole thing kind of goes around. But it really is to the advantage of employers to hire and fire. So, again, you don't have these kind of uh, – you don't have basically this sort of structural unemployment. Right. Where you've got loads of people basically who are hired to do uh, with a certain skill, but you then can't fire them, even though uh, again, as our old friend capitalism with supply and demand, if the, if the demand isn't there, then you know you just can't fire your you know. Right. But you can okay. in Denmark, because yeah, and then but they can. Okay. So and and that's something that Macron wanted to uh, to copy, and he actually in his um, election pledge in 2017 mm. said he was going to do it, and he came to Denmark in 2018. And um but it's quite different to so the French model. From what I have from, again from this news article, when they had um, um a French reporter uh, talking about it, that in France you actually have really long kind of contracts. And yeah, uh, they're,
0: they're uh, called they're called CDES, like yeah. it, which means uh, con, uh, the the E is the I, and it stands for indefinite. Basically, it means permanent. If you get yeah. a C if you if you get a CDE, you effectively you have a huge amount of rights. You can't just be sacked.
1: Like That's right. Uh, yeah. And a lot of the unions, because in Denmark as well, this the unions have kind of fought for the right to represent the workers, mm. where the French state, apparently, that they've appointed unions. The state mm. in France is actually... Uh, um, um, which again, it surprised me because that's a kind of a more socialist angle. The state in France controls so much to do with hiring and firing and unions and everything else. Where the Danish model is, is that you have the union representing the workers, talking to the employer and mm-hmm. the government stays out of it. Um, it. It doesn't always work out like that, but that is the idea of it. So even though the government, obviously, if, if you're working in the public sector, the uh, the you know there, there's only a certain amount there's a, a certain amount, a certain budget that the government has maybe afforded, but mm. you're not actually dealing with the government you're dealing with a representative for that area of the public sector then you've got the unions and then they work it out, and and the government is away from that and. Um, yeah, so I just find I think, that to be quite. But again, now we're in 2023, mm. so I don't know how many more of those reforms been, have come in. There's
0: been a there's been a uh, there's been a huge amount of trouble about like work and pension reform in France in like the last sort of five or six years. I mean, I'm sure you you must Blame have Denmark. seen you must have seen <laughs> a bunch of it on the news. Yeah. there been so been like literally like civil civil unrest basically over especially over pensions, they did manage to get it through in the end because I think, you know, people just got sort of bored of fighting in the end and they just sort of like pushed it through. It was a, it was just sort of like balancing the books type thing. In terms of the unions, uh, France is a really particular case. Like the, because of the revolution and effectively everything that happened after the revolution, obviously the revolution was in like 17, oh, I don't want to fuck it up, 1789. Yeah, it was 1789. And the, um, the, because modern france is effectively based on that moment the the unions are monumentally powerful in france like the government can't do anything pretty much well i mean they kind of can but like they certainly have to uh consult the unions at pretty much every step i'm sure i don't know if you've been watching on the news this week i don't know if it's made it out of france but the uh the the farmers uh are up in arms they've you know, blockaded Paris, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And like obviously Montignon which is where the the French Prime Prime Minister sits, sort of the French version of Downing Street in Britain. Um they have to sort of they they have to give an audience to the unions. The audience the, the unions are extremely powerful in France. In terms of like workers' rights and stuff, um I I need to just explain something about about the sort like Fred the the idea of the French state and people who work for work for the state in France. If you work, you for can't the be state fired. France, can you? If you you literally can't be fired, it's unconstitutional. The only way you can be fired is <laughs> it is for gross misconduct. So I mean that literally means if you're violent at work, if you fight someone, so like um or or you steal or whatever. You know if you I know people who've been you know off work for like literally maybe two or three years on full pay, and you, you can't get sacked, and you get a pension at the end of it. And it's, um, you're called a fonctionnaire, and it's, uh, this is one of the reasons I'm doing functionnaire. a doctorate. Yeah, in the, exactly. In you, you,
1: Danish, it's called Okay, but, but it doesn't entail that you can't be fired, but yeah.
0: but The, the, the sort of machinery of the state in France is, is centralised and massive. So, like, for example, in, I mean, obviously, like Mike and I are both from Britain, and we... We're very used to. We kind of grew up with what happened in the eighties and blah. Where basically all of the sort of state infrastructure was effectively sold off. So things like British Gas, British Rail, et etc., etc., that were used to be owned by the state, they were you know they were they were sold. You know, literally sold. You know, you could buy shares in British Rail, blah blah blah. Well, I think you could. You could definitely buy shares in British Gas. Remember that. And in, in France, uh, thanks, <laughs> in france for example the the sncf which is the the railways in france is is owned by the state and um, so if you work for sncf you know you're part of the uh, part of the unions which is incredibly powerful they're called the uh, the, the cheminot which are like the chimneys so like you know as in the front of the train on the old steam trains would have a chimney so they were called the, the you know the, the the chimney workers basically and you know this is why the um one of the reasons that like people strike so much in France is because you can't get fired so it's a, like, it's a constitutional right to be able to strike you can't get sacked for it and it's, it's it's in the constitution because it's effectively there to protect you against against exploitation by the state and by bosses but in terms of like the actual Obviously, again, coming from Britain, where you are used to a very sort of like slim down state now. Uh, you know, it's kind of kind of you know it's, it went American kind of thing. Everything got sold off, and there was this sort of this idea, the whole idea of sort of like stripping down red tape and getting rid of bureaucracy. Bloody blah, blah France is exactly the opposite. There are a lot of people that don't you know that want it to be reformed, but there are also a lot of people that really really don't. But briefly, like, the upshot is that like in terms of like workers' rights, I mean, my God. You have to you have to go a long way to get sacks in France. Put it that way, like you know, you if you once you've got a CDE, once you've got like a long contract, as as you said, like you you are. You're but can't you kind good, of quite literally
1: good. sort of um, take the piss? Yeah, like, well, the, get, the, the, like get the CDE the, and then just well, say, yeah, "I'm not coming in. I'm not, not going to work anymore. That's it. I've done it. I've got it." You know, Uh, there must be a way, you know, to sort of stop that. Because, because Uh, I'm moving to France, pet, and I'm going to get a job, and then I'm just going to sit down, do nothing for the rest of my life, and get paid. What has
0: actually happened is um, that getting a CDE is actually now incredibly difficult. But for exactly that reason. So like, you, you've <laughs> okay, got- Okay, so there you are know. people that have done it. So, so well, yeah, I assume there, I'm sure there are, <laughs> but like, uh, you, you know, getting, it's not easy. You, you don't just sort of like wake up in, in the morning and just go, oh, right, I'm off to work for the council. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, literally to get that kind of job, you have to be like, you know, masters and up effectively. Like you can get jobs as, as functionaries, like, you know, teachers, for example, might- you would have to have like a, a degree and then you'd have to have sort of like a post uh, sort of a postgraduate, like learning masters kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you, I've got that. It,
1: so I should move. I've, yeah, I should there, just there you go.
0: Uh, like, yeah, and, uh, you know, if, if you're a teacher yeah. in France, you're a fonctionnaire, but, uh, but, it, but it, again, like up. one of like uh, Macron's like reforms, or is, is something that has been talked about is stopping teachers being fonctionnaires <laughs> because like a teacher, once you got, once you're in, that's it. <laughs>
1: Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sounds absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah, you you should come over, man. Honestly, it's awesome. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah. just free
0: money everywhere. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> no, but like it, what, what it's actually uh, given rise to, because obviously there's a lot of tension between um, people who kind of see it as being archaic obviously and you know mm. like uh, you know country uh, a lot of companies will only give cdds which is determinate which means that you have to constantly renew your contract yeah. and like once your contract's over they can just you know there's no like not getting fired then you're just like all the best okay yeah so, so like you know it's a it's a very uh, france is a really particular um circumstance it's not it's not it's not really um, the same as, say, Britain and America or, from the sound of it, from Denmark. And I'm not surprised that Macron went over there. Macron's a big reformist, you see.
1: Because in Denmark, we've got this thing called the taxometer ordning, which a lot of people... And it's it only really applies to... Well, yeah, it, it applies to the public sector, but it's based upon private sector, kind of, uh, how it works. Mm-hmm. So, basically, every patient, every student everyone you deal with in the public sector becomes like, um, like I don't know, if we just to say an iPhone, for example. Mm. So if you sell iPhones, a lot of iPhones, you make a lot of money. If you don't sell a lot of iPhones, then you don't make a lot of money and mm. you might have to close down some factories. Mm. So, so what they've done is, for example, where I work, we're really, really susceptible to uh, sort of economic trends in society. People
0: getting fired.
1: Yeah, basically. So when people get fired, it's good for us because when people get fired, as I said about the model, then they may come to us to get an education or re-educate or build on Mm. their education. And then we have loads of customers, you see. They're customers now. But the problem is, you see, now we're in a situation where we've actually got kind of full employment. Mm. Then every year, because we are kind of paid per student, and we have fewer students, that means the money the school gets is less, which means you have to fire teachers. Market so,
0: forces, Mike.
1: Yeah, that's it. So, so every year for the last three or four years, we've had to fire. And we've even been in situations mm-hmm. where we've had uh, our prognosis has been that we're going to have this amount of students. So we've employed like 10 new teachers. And then three months later, we fired 15 Mm-hmm. because it hasn't turned out like that and yeah, the yeah. people we thought we were going to come aren't going to come. So, But that is kind of a model that uh, the government, in, uh, in, again, uh, came with probably about 10, 15 years ago now. And um, so it affects me and my workplace, but also in hospitals. So mm-hmm. the amount of patients you can get in and out again, uh, effectively, so the, you'll, you'll get money from the state for it. Okay. And, and and so the whole idea of um, – and they're talking about it, but it's only really being talked about. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon with the idea that education uh, having this kind of intrinsic monetary value. So it doesn't matter yeah. even if we have uh, 100 students or 1,000 students – this school has to exist and Mm. there has to be a certain amount, almost like an emergency ward in a hospital or Mm. an emergency unit somewhere. You might not, there might not be any emergency patients for a month, but you can't close that down because there Mm. might come, Mm. you know. And so so thinking about maybe uh, this sort of high school where I work as a kind of, uh, you know, does it have its own intrinsic value Mm. and which isn't just based on How much? Yeah, how many students we get through? Because then it also affects our decision making. Because you can, just like when I was saying about uh, people in France kind of (laughs) dosing, getting that job and then doing nothing. We also have kind of we also have. (laughs) This just sounds like paradise to me. But it's just uh, we we could have this. uh, We have we have a lot of students, you see, who perhaps aren't really ready to be there, and who don't really turn up very much or don't do do very much. And, you know, they are young people, so I'm not going to criticise them. But instead of saying, well, you know, you're not ready to be here, come back in a year, mm. we actually do our best to keep them because each student to us actually get has... You know, get, yeah, because so in a way, you can kind of in the conflict, am I teaching because I actually want to, you know, help people or am mm. I teaching these people because I want to keep my job? Yeah. No, <laughs>
0: you know? I, I understand. I mean, like in France, it's uh, education... It's it's uh, basically like what what's happening in French education is really similar to what happened to us probably in the in when we went to kind of university under under Thatcher and like what happened after Thatcher and you know basically like the amount of spending is just going down like constantly and I yeah. you know like people who work in education um, especially in the arts obviously like you know I'm doing an arts an arts masters and you know there's uh it's not pretty, you know it's, it's like you know there, there's just increasingly less money. Um, but the dropout rate, for example, like in 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 France, I know we were supposed to be talking about work, but let's talk about schools. It's it's all it's all it's all gravy. The uh, the drop (laughs) the dropout rate in French university is absolutely insane. You see, like I'm gonna I'll tell you a bit of a story about about schools in France. Basically. Again, it's written into the constitution. That it, I think it's written into the constitution. Don't want to get that wrong. It's, it's definitely you know it's a thing in France. Basically, yeah. if you if you pass your A levels or your it's called your baccalaureate, uh, you you are entitled to go to university. Yeah, you you so are entitled same, to a place. Same in
1: Denmark. Okay. Oh no, okay. Right. Now you have to apply. I think.
0: You know, you still have to apply, but you're entitled to go. Like, you know, and, and like yeah, basically to, to the, the, the state well, yeah. will pay yeah. for you. And yeah,
1: and same Although so, they'll, yeah.
0: they'll pay almost all of it, you have to pay a tiny fee. And, you know, it's certainly not, nothing like Britain or whatever, where you have to pay all of your um,
1: tuition fees, yeah.
0: Your tuition fees and stuff.
1: You don't have to do that. And you get no grant. But, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah it? that's it. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: <laughs> so you can go, but you, you have to still the shock. You get the politicians you deserve. I'd. I think the dropout rate is something like, I think it's over 50% in the first year. Wow. So like, and so like say for, I think the acceptance rate on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a literature degree, I did a literature degree at Paul Valerie university in, uh, in Montpellier. Um, the acceptance rate is a hundred percent for that degree. So like, Everyone who applies to do literature at Poor Valerie goes to Poor Valerie's to do literature. Every single person, well, of, of, of those that actually accept their sort of acceptance, if you see what I mean. And of the, of those people, like more, I think it's 55% of them leave in year one. Wow. So you basically have these like massive like universities. Like Poor Valerie is huge. Like, I mean, it's like, well, I say it's huge. I've got no real frame of reference. Is the only, really the only university I ever went to. Um, I, I think it's got, it's, it's got, about twenty-five thousand students—is that large?
1: I don't seems, know. It seems to be pretty large. It's to me, pretty
0: big. Yeah. It's pretty big. You know, there are lots of buildings and people and shit. You know what I mean? And um like in the yeah, literally like half of like amphitheater is just full of students doing absolutely nothing, doing nothing at all. Like wow. I, I've I've sat in lectures like you know on like. You know French linguistics, and you know, sort of like revolutionary history and stuff. With like, you know, like students in front of me just watching football matches on their fucking iPads. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? And it's just like, you know, it's kind of like it's it's tough because, like, you know, I I absolutely defend the right for anybody, for everybody, to have the opportunity to get educated. Yeah. But there are, there are a lot of people, and like, you know, with with some like logical justification, it would say maybe those people shouldn't be there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it's pretty tough. And I, I've i got no answer to that because I would always, you know, I would always just say, well, okay, well, you know, fucking, you know, they should be able to go to school if they want. Do you know what I mean? But like, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've got I've got no answer to that. And I don't know where I'm going with that. But like, I, I've sort of like... Well, see, I, I can I, give you some numbers if you like. Go on, let's have them. Let's go.
1: It says here, I found something from uh, um, uh, the University of uh, of uh, Aarhus, and this is in Denmark, as, uh, as in most other countries in the world, there are many students who do not finish their like university education. Among students that started their studies in the period from 2006 to 2010, that's the best I could do, uh, 29, uh, 29% didn't finish, but in a five year period. So I don't know about the first year, but it's only 30% in a five year period didn't that, finish. That's,
0: that's pretty amazing. Like, that's honestly, good, like in yeah. France, like, uh, I'm, I'm, honestly, the dropout rates are like really high in France. Like, I mean, and it's literally, it's like 50% every year, you know, of, of the degree. When you go through some masters, it all sort of like starts to, you know, it, it sort of like falls down to around that, I think, like sort of 20, 30%. Don't you? Yeah, finish. you don't
1: really take a masters unless you like, unless you're you really want to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah unless yeah. you want to do it. But you but do like, it yeah, you know,
0: for, for the degree, I think a lot of people do get kind of like waste. I'm not being funny. Did you, you did your degree in Denmark, didn't you? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it hard? Yeah. Mine, <laughs> yeah. mine was it's fucking really...
0: unbelievably hard. I'm not surprised yeah, my, my, 50 people get wasted. you know what I mean? It's well, really, but Mine wasn't really as hard as yours. Right?
1: I mean, you, you did like, you know, you like wrote stuff in French.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, still like, yeah. But like I'm just because really you had to write kind of in English doesn't mean, it, doesn't mean it wasn't hard just because it was in English. You know yeah, I mean?
1: yeah. It was, oh, and social science. So yeah, it was hard. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. I mean, but it's supposed to be right. I mean, that's, that's. Or did that's you, why, know, did you, that's you know people that kind of
0: like failed? Did you know people that like left and
1: um i think yeah there's there's um a couple of people kind of dropped out yeah from the class uh, realized that maybe english studies wasn't for them they might have moved on to different area of study mm-hmm. uh, and a couple of them maybe actually dropped out of uni but i would say yeah most of the people in my class graduate well again because you change you see in the masters my class was the english class for like two and a half three years but then when i took my uh Oh, I've forgotten. Me and Stacey and I spoke about it the other day when I took my minor. That's it. My major was in English. When I took my minor in social sciences, then all of a sudden there's a whole new group that have come mm. from all different mm. other st- studies. Mm. So you know, but uh, yeah, I, I would I would say that most people um, that I knew or know of, of finished mm. finished. Yeah, but again, you know, you get student grants. You get. A, you can also get a student loan on top of your student grant. You can, yeah, you also get kind of housing benefit, you know, a subsidiary towards uh, towards lodging and housing uh, and stuff I'm, because you're a student.
0: I'm not sure how much help there is here. Seriously, there was a, there's been a load of shit about like, it's called pre- uh, precarity, like precariousness for students. Like I, I know um, when I was doing my degree, there were like one student, I think it was in Nantes, um, actually set himself on fire Outside outside of a uh, uh, one of the uh, university canteens and burnt himself to death Jesus. because like yeah because he had no money. It's like honestly, it's it's like uh, we're really in a sort of, like transitionary phase in France where uh, like between what I said, there's this like incredibly stiff resist- resistance against reform, against you know reforming the law, but then you know the government obviously is in charge of all the money so like you know if they, they kind of like starve the system of money which means that like loads of people go to university that effectively can't afford to go it's pretty it's not um it's not an easy situation but uh but yeah so like i've enjoyed this talk about work mike
1: it's great it's, isn't it?
0: It, it's been good but uh, the Danish
1: yeah. system is also under threat just to sort of wrap that up because it is worth mentioning that mm. um that in order to save money, you see the, the this when I said about having day money. Let's just say you get fired and you've only got thirty days' notice, but again, you get like eighty percent of your wages for, yeah, and and, and you get you get quite a, you got quite a good amount of money, but mm. that used to be up to four years you could have that. You see, okay, no. so you get four years of maybe just sort of looking for work, and again, I, I'm going to approach this sort of, sort of both political angles, um, and so that would again perhaps annoy politicians or whatever because then you're only just going to take the job that you kind of want rather than Mm -hmm. taking the job that society maybe needs you to have or you can just sort of think to yourself okay i'm just going to chill for a couple of years before i even start to work Mm -hmm. so what they what they did they've tried to they've, they've reduced the amount of time that, that four years has now been cut down to two years mm-hmm. and which has then put more pressure on people who are unemployed. But that in turn, you see kind of ruins the model because mm. then you're going to start asking your employer for longer contracts.
0: Yep.
1: And so, and then if you've got longer contracts, then the whole idea of the model of being able to hire and fire and this flex security, this doesn't flexible really work, marketplace yeah. doesn't really work anymore. Mm. And also you had, um, uh, the idea you know when I said about the government not being involved there has been like a teacher strike where um, you know you do kind of uh, yeah you have a right to strike in Denmark but in the end the government because the two the two parties couldn't really reach an agreement about teachers pay and because yeah how can I say it they wanted to have a reform of of uh, primary uh, primary schools of the school system and um, that entailed how um, uh, uh, teachers' wages were kind of uh, 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 were kind of worked out. So it became you weren't functionaire anymore. Mm-hmm. It was almost you had to sort of uh, you had to sort of clock in, clock out, and yeah. there was this big protest. And so what the government did, they did something called a lockout. Okay. Which is then they close the gates. So instead of the workers okay. saying we're not go- we're not going to come to work, they said no, you're not going to come to work, okay. and that then means that we're not going to pay you, which then puts loads of pressure on the unions. But mm. because you pay to the unions, you know they've got a, they've got a coffers they can pay you. But in the end, you see, the government does have the power, which it did, just to say okay. This conflict has gone no on long more enough. Money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or, or yeah. This conflict, no, this conflict has gone, uh, gone on long enough. Go back to work, and these are the terms. Mm-hmm. So, what they did, or what they've been accused of doing, if you're cynical, when I think pretty much is, I mean, I am cynical, so I pretty much agree with it. That they wanted these reforms through, so they sat back, let the process kind of work itself out and say, oh, the Danish model, we don't get involved. But in mm-hmm. the end, look, you know, your, 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 uh, your children aren't being taught. Wait until public opinion kind of turns against the teachers and then just say, okay, now we're going to just push our reform through mm-hmm. and you're just going to have to go to work or you're fired. And yeah. that is kind of, you know, that is that model, again, just sort of collapsing because the whole yeah. idea of it is is that the government shouldn't have any role. So screw uh, the Danish model, Pat, screw it screw You're, that model Mike you can have it you can have it in France you can have it mate. no you can I'm alright i right, we, we don't no, want I mean, it anymore yeah, we don't can, want it anymore it, you can keep it come,
0: come here and, and enjoy the French model yeah I'll I'll see don't see want, if, I don't to come, come
1: to I'm going to come to Montpellier and yeah unfortunately because I've visited Pat a couple of times in Montpellier I've actually programmed in on my phone the weather <laughs> and and uh, and it's probably the worst thing I could have ever done. Yeah, because it's no, every no. now and then, you know what it's like. You're sitting, sitting there and you're just sort of scrolling around on your phone. And I can see that, you know, To I think a week ago I was looking at that. In Denmark, it was like minus four the next day. And in Montpellier, it was about 21 degrees and sunshine. I think, and,
0: uh, uh, I think right right now it's, uh, it's 13 degrees outside.
1: Yeah, it's about four with gale force winds here. Yeah,
0: I think t- yeah. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow it's going to be... Uh, Oh, 19 degrees tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be nice.
1: I think we might swear 20 degrees on Sunday. I'll look
0: forward to that. I might go to the beach.
1: And the thing is, I was sitting, as you can see, in a shirt unbuttoned, and Pat's got a bloody jumper on. So he's, he really is Brrr. just rubbing it in. Yeah, yeah, so, so cold. Really- well anyway, that, that, that that was that,
0: an interesting chat. I enjoyed that. That was good. Uh maybe we can go back to 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 work at some point. Uh talking about work at some point. We drifted off into yeah. into into education there but but whatever that was fun. Well, let's wrap up uh episode 10 or 11. 10 10 be your A. No, no he's, he's that is
1: officially episode 10 of the 10. Uh, you know of of, of 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 Foreign.
0: Foreign. Yeah. Um Many, many thanks to all of you that have made it to uh, to fifty-one minutes of this podcast. I think it's about fifty-one. Uh, yeah,
1: it's fifty-one. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and we'll get, be back. Get, get, get a life, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> <laughs> In uh,
1: fact, listen to it. Listen to it, and then go on the YouTube channel that's and it. then watch it. Then watch yeah, that's the whole it, thing. That's
0: it. Watch uh, it all and, and comment
1: yeah yeah comment on it and then go on the instagram and then subscribe to that that's and then write us an email at foreign podcast at, at gmail.com that's with it. a kind of a question and just you know and you we'll, know we'll you, give, we'll give you, you a can also out. sort of get, get a tattoo maybe around <laughs> right about there with foreign written on it foreign. that's it yeah that'd be good
0: anyway uh many, many thanks for listening and uh we'll be back in a couple of weeks. So Yeah and bye. Uh, wait
1: and, and remember next Monday is the interview with uh, uh, yes. Max, I'm sorry, the Foreign Podcast Extra. So look forward to that. Bye bye. Bye bye.